Hello, hello, and welcome to another podcast episode. We spend a lot of time on this podcast discussing how to make money outside of the classroom, how to start a website, how to find jobs in other fields, how to set goals for yourself, and the list just goes on and on. But today I want to talk about something I've never actually talked about before, and that is teacher leave. Now, don't tune me out because I want you to think about this. Understanding what types of leave you can take and when you can actually take those times of leave could actually be your first steps in the exit process. However, for that to be the case, we need to dig into questions like, how long do teachers get for maternity leave? How does FMLA work for teachers? Can I use FMLA even if I plan to leave the classroom permanently? How much of a role do school districts play in personal leave, sick leave, and or annual leave? And what does this information have to do with my exit strategy? And that's exactly what we're going to explore in this episode. So if you're ready, let's do it. Welcome to the Classroom Exit Strategies podcast, a podcast for teachers who are thinking about leaving the classroom or starting a side hustle to grow into a self-sustaining business. My name is Jennifer Holt, and I'm here to provide you with strategic action steps designed to help you leave the classroom on your terms. Different types of leave. Now, it's essential that we have a basic understanding of the most common types of leave that teachers can take before we dig into the specifics and how these might affect your exit strategy. So this information is going to give us the wisdom we need to make good decisions based on our specific set of circumstances. So the first is sick leave. While we're all pretty familiar with what sick leave is, it's important that we know what the law states about sick leave. Now, I did some research and according to attorney Stephen Eaglink. School districts are required to give full-time teachers at least 10 days of sick leave each year. It may be used for personal illness or serious illness or death in the immediate family. The amount of sick leave may be increased by the collective bargaining agreement or by board policy. So basically this means that teachers are guaranteed 10 days but could potentially be given more based on specific negotiations between the local school board and union representation as they come to a collective agreement. Now, I want to take just a quick moment to mention mental health within the context of sick leave. It is completely appropriate to take a mental health day occasionally without any documentation. We all need some days where we just get away from the stress of our jobs. But if you're being seen by a therapist, counselor, or psychiatrist for ongoing treatment, then state law or your school district may require documentation if you miss a lot of days due to your condition. Think of it like this. Taking your allotted sick days is completely acceptable, but just make sure you're using them for sickness or doctor appointments and not just as vacation days. Now, everything I've mentioned thus far refers to traditional paid sick leave, but there is an additional option that is directly related to an individual with a chronic medical condition, including mental issues, that I'm going to cover in just a moment when I talk about family medical leave. Maternity and parental leave. While the phrase maternity leave is still commonly used, this particular type of leave is now called family leave or parental leave because it covers more people than just biological birth mothers and new children. Under the Family Medical Leave Act, an individual can take unpaid leave for one of three reasons. One, the birth and care of a biological newborn child. Two, the adoption of a child with the adoptive parents. Or three, the placement of a foster child 
into your care. This allows new parents time to bond with their child, regardless of whether that new child is biological or not. This has been such good news and an important addition for adoptive families and families who take on the placement of a child in foster care, as well as spouses. According to the U.S. Department of Labor, the advent of new legislation called the Federal Employee Paid Leave Act has provided a paid parental leave option for eligible employees covered under Title V following in connection with a qualifying birth of a son or daughter or the placement of a son or daughter with an employee for adoption or foster care. As a result, the Family Medical and Leave Act provisions were amended to provide up to 12 weeks of paid parental leave to covered federal employees in connection with the birth or placement for adoption or foster care of a child occurring on or after October 1st, 2020. Paid parental leave granted in connection with a qualifying birth or placement under FEPLA is substituted for unpaid FMLA leave and is available during the 12-month period following the birth or placement. In order to be eligible for paid parental leave under FEPLA, a federal employee must be eligible for FMLA leave. But with the onset of this legislation, husbands who were full-time employees now have the option to take paid family leave, often referred to now as paternity leave. The key to this is that the spouse must be a federal employee. Now that brings us to something called sabbatical leave. Before this podcast episode, I wasn't really all that familiar with the idea of sabbatical leave. I knew that teachers took sabbaticals from the classroom from time to time, but I didn't really understand what qualified as a sabbatical leave. As I began researching, I found a really helpful definition by Stephen Glink that stated a teacher could be granted sabbatical leave for resident study, research, travel, or other activities determined by the board to benefit the district by improving the quality and level of experience of the teaching force. The length of the leave may be from four months to one year. A few other important components of sabbatical leave, worth noting, require that teachers must have at least six years of full-time teaching experience, legally be returned to the same positions or similar positions the following school year, and retain all rights related to tenure. Knowing this information is is extremely helpful because even though states and districts vary in their approach to sabbatical leave, at least you have a starting point. Now you know whether or not you're even in the ballpark of being eligible for this particular type of leave and also whether it's worth contacting your human resources office for more information. If you'd like to know more about sabbatical leave, I've added some links to interesting articles in the show notes and the transcript. And if you happen to be a New Jersey public school teacher, I found an especially enlightening article that I'll link below. So how does FM LA work for teachers. Well, now that we've looked at the different types of leave, we need to unpack FMLA or the Family Medical Leave Act and how this legislation affects time for teachers. There are typically two reasons a teacher would qualify for FMLA, and that is pregnancy, birth of a child, adoption, or a chronic illness. Now, I've also linked an exceptional PDF version that I think would be super helpful to understanding all the different types of leave. But let's dig into pregnancy and birth of a child. So let's go ahead and just answer the main question every single pregnant teacher on the planet wants to know. How long do teachers get for maternity leave? Well, the federal law and regulations state that a mother can use 12 weeks of FMLA leave for the birth of a child for prenatal care and incapacity related to pregnancy and for her 
her own serious health condition following the birth of a child. A father can use FMLA leave for the birth of a child and to care for his spouse who is incapacitated due to pregnancy or childbirth. Stephen Glink goes on to further explain that a teacher may not be dismissed or have his or her tenure status affected by temporary physical or mental incapacity. Federal law requires that persons who are disabled because of pregnancy, childbirth, or related medical conditions must be treated the same as other employees. Thus, a woman who is unable to work following childbirth is entitled to use accumulated sick leave for this purpose. Sick leave may not be used for an extended maternity leave unless provided for by a collective bargaining agreement, board policy, or allowed for other non-medical leaves. So what does this all mean? This means you can use all of your personal days and banked sick time so you aren't going the entire length of time without pay. And you can look into short-term disability insurance to cover the days you will not be getting paid by your employer. And that brings us to the other main reason someone might use FMLA, and that's for chronic illness. The U.S. Department of Labor indicates that employees can use FMLA leave for any period of incapacity or treatment due to a chronic serious health condition. The regulations continue to define a chronic serious health condition as one that requires periodic visits, meaning at least twice a year, for treatment by a healthcare provider or nurse under the supervision of the healthcare provider, continues over an extended period of time, and may cause episodic rather than continuing periods of incapacity. Of course, that leads us to the obvious question of, well, what qualifies as a serious health condition? Based on my research, I discovered that outside of pregnancy, health conditions were categorized as serious when the condition required an overnight stay in a hospital or medical facility, kept you or a close family member from working or attending school for more than three days in a row with ongoing medical treatment in the form of appointments and or prescriptions, or was chronic in that it required treatment by a healthcare professional at least two times per year. Now, I know that's a lot of information, but if you want to know even more specific info than I'm able to share here, definitely check out the U.S. Department of Labor's Frequently Asked Questions page because it is filled with tons of in-depth information. But what does all of that really have to do with you? Well, if you're pregnant, adopting, or part of the foster care system, I think you already have a pretty clear understanding of how this information is meaningful for you. But what if you simply want to leave the classroom and the maternity part doesn't really apply to your situation? Well, let's look a little more closely at the chronic illness description. If you are struggling mentally with anxiety, depression, or extreme levels of stress due to a toxic work environment, you might actually qualify for FMLA or even potentially a sabbatical while you determine your next best steps. While I would never suggest you take advantage of a situation or lie about your condition, as instructional employees, we do have access to weeks of unpaid leave if needed. I have been working with a client in my coaching program for a year who was in the midst of a sabbatical at the beginning of 2022. The stress from her teaching position had taken a huge toll on her physically and mentally, and her doctor told her she needed to take some time away from the classroom. On the one hand, she hated leaving at the end of the term in December and not being able to make it to the end of the school year. But she also realized that her school district would be able to find a suitable replacement for her while she dealt with the medical reasons that caused her to leave and processed what the future would look like during her leave of absence. She made the decision to begin working with me during this period of leave in order to set herself up for success. We created a very specific course of action to help her leave the classroom with grace and begin a new career as an entrepreneur. While she did return for a few weeks at the end of the school term, 
She ultimately left her teaching position, but not the teaching profession. She loved the actual teaching, but she knew continuing in the classroom wasn't a sustainable option for her. So she pivoted and now teaches others in a variety of ways. She spends so much time creating a life and a business that she loves, and she has told me over and over how glad she is that she left the classroom. Now, I've shared her situation with her permission, of course, as an example of how someone took a sabbatical in order to determine what she needed to do next. It was a way for her to open up some space in her schedule to reflect on whether her career choice was sustainable long term. Now, I know I have given you tons and tons of information because it's always my goal that you are informed. And while most of us have always considered extended leaves of absence as directly related to maternity or pregnancy leave, now you know a little bit more about additional medical leave programs, including sabbatical leave. And with the inception of the Family Medical Leave Act, there are specific guidelines and legal safeguards protecting your job while you're gone. The same holds true for teachers experience a serious chronic illness. So the only question that remains now that you understand your employment rights is, are you going to pursue taking a leave of absence to give yourself the space to finally decide whether or not to leave the classroom permanently? Well, I would honestly love to know. Please join me over on Instagram at Classroom Exit Strategies and share your thoughts. And if you're enjoying the podcast, I'd love for you to leave a five-star review. You've got this, my friend, and I can't wait to see what you do next. And until next time, thanks for listening to the Classroom Exit Strategies podcast at happyteachermama.com. I'm your host, Jennifer Holt, and I look forward to serving you in the next episode.